So this is a uh, number two of a rabbit trail that I'm chasing. Uh, we looked at some things last week, and uh, with the, some kind of a title similar to knowledge versus acknowledgement. Uh, we're talking about two, a couple of uh, Greek words that uh, appear to be. Uh, very similar, but there are enough locations in the scripture that shows us that there is something uh, to recognize, and particularly in the, the letters that Paul wrote in his latter years, in his last seven years. And hopefully it doesn't bore you because I'm looking at kind of a somewhat of a word search. Uh, and le- I left you last week with uh, Ephesians chapter 1 and the last few verses in chapter 1. And I'll read that because this ultimately is my goal, at least for me personally. I'm going to say, let's start in verse 15. He says uh, in Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, actually, we want to back up. Okay. 15. Wherefore, I also, after I heard your faith in the Lord Jesus... And love unto all the saints. And I might say that, uh, let me see, after teaching for 40 some odd years, uh, which mostly through the years had to do with these last seven books of Paul, uh, you'd think you'd understand something by now. But uh, there's some interesting things we'll look at that we need to consider when we look at this. And, uh, well, let's read a little bit more. I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. So that's Paul. He is praying for this group of people. And uh, somewhere in here, so I'm, I'm seeing things pop up in my, in, while I'm reading this that pop up that uh, say or make me say, hey, I didn't consider that before. And um, just the fact that Paul is writing a letter as a prisoner, he was not... He did not uh, physically stand in front of them and teach them things, at least according to what I read here in this first chapter. And it makes me pretty curious about some things. So uh, that's why I call call this somewhat of chasing a, a rabbit trail, uh, chasing a rabbit, whatever. But uh, anyway, let's read on a little bit further. Uh, once again, 15. Wherefore, I also, after I heard your faith in the Lord Jesus... And love unto all the saints. So here where he's, he speaks of the fact that he heard this. He wasn't standing there giving it to them. He is a prisoner. And so somehow the word is getting to these people. And I think most people have an issue with this, uh, who, who understand the scriptures rightly divided and, uh, and how, how that, uh, there is a period of time there that is kind of, uh, hard to grasp. Uh, in in this uh, dispensation dispensational movement, it was we might call it as we go here. Verse sixteen: He ceases not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. And in my old Bible here, I've got scratched in the acknowledgement of him. There's a big difference of having a knowledge of something than with with the fact that you acknowledge something. Acknowledgement 
uh, is associated with an action. These are my words. And so here is a prayer about a spirit. It's not the spirit. There's no definite article there. A spirit of wisdom and revelation has to do with opening the eyes in the acknowledgement of him. We're going to get into this a little bit deeper, but not perhaps today. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What what it, uh, I'm trying to understand and what, I, what I'm sharing is that this acknowledgement is a requirement if you want something done. Here's an action on your part, on our part, after reading those all the verses in Ephesians chapter 1 that uh, and what is available to us, and we have it, it's secured. And now here is something that we need to consider. Is this something that I'm missing out on? And I believe we're going to find several, two or three or four, whatever, where this word knowledgement is used in these last seven epistles that direct our attention to something that we should be paying closer attention here and doing something instead of somebody praying for us. If, you know, the question is, is somebody, is Paul praying that these people would just be bombarded with wisdom and this revelation and the knowledge of him? Or is there sufficient amount of the word right here in its own book of Ephesians that tells us all these things and we're secured to those things? So I don't know if that makes sense or if, uh, you understand what I just said? We're going to look at it in a greater sense, I think, next week. Today, uh, and, and uh, let me finish this chapter, and, and then we'll, we'll get going. Uh, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is, and here, here's the word no again. So this is a different no in the Greek. So we've got, we've got a little bit of an issue there. There's two specific words that we're really paying attention to, and that's epigonosco and, ep, and epigonosis. And we'll look primarily at some of those. But there are, it's not the only place that a word in here means knowledge or, or the word no, K-N-O-W. So there's, and, and we're not really going down that, chasing the rabbit down that hole because there's a whole lot of verses, hundreds. Uh, there's, uh, epigonosco occurs 43 times and epi, Gnosis occurs 20 times. So that's not too many for us to, to bear here uh, in our short period of time that we look at these things. Uh, verse 19, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? There's a lot of power words here. Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. So we know this is resurrection power. And if you think about resurrection power in Scripture and you look at all the places that that occurs, there's nothing more powerful that in this universe that anybody can look for, strive to ever even begin to understand. And uh, this is what has been made available to us. Far above all principality and power. Uh, he said him as his right hand in heavenly places. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion. And every name that is named, not only in this world or this age, but also in that which is to come. And put all, and put all under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, 
which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And so along with this, we're trying, I'm trying to just make sure that we're not missing out on something here, that there's something that needs to be acknowledged that's available to us. That's part of what we're going to do. But we're going to notice how that this is associated with the church, which is his body, which is which is the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So there's a lot there. I think you've probably heard these things through the years many times. Uh, we're trying to take a little bit of approach, a little bit different approach, and see if there's something there that that uh, is available to us, and we're not. We don't. We want to make sure we don't miss out on it. So that's our goal. Uh, so this morning I'm going to take you through a handful of the looking at this these words and see how it's rendered in the uh, the English. And uh, I can tell you this, it's, someone did a great amount of work uh, along the way here. And uh, part of that would belong to uh, Mr. Welch and those that were associated with him. Uh, and look at just uh, things that the Greek language itself, but looked at the different uh, Bibles that were available, written at that time, and what they what they uh, proclaimed. And one thing that's fairly common is that of the those scholars who have looked at Greek and so forth, they have decided that if you read the word, uh, and one one word I didn't mention was gnosis itself, not epigenosis, but gnosis, which is the word no. It's also trans knowledge, uh, many of them came to the conclusion that there's not a difference. And uh, when I see something in the scriptures that there is a, a difference in the wording and the language and so forth, that usually um, gets me excited to go down a pathway to look and see exactly what that means. And so with, with that statement in mind, if you are interested in this subject. I, I, I realize I'm not, don't, I don't mean to sound like I'm cramming these things down your throat or whatever. Uh, ultimately, we hate, I hope we have that same goal in mind that is there something out there that we're, we may be missing out on because we didn't act. We didn't acknowledge something. Uh, and so it, it makes a big difference in what is, what you can see in a lot of the writings of the, the different Bibles we have today and, and, uh, and, and they all are fairly common in that respect. So, uh, having said that, uh, last week we looked at a few verses. I don't, I don't, uh, we, we looked at Psalm, I'm sorry, we, yeah, we looked at Psalm 32 and Psalm 51 and also, uh, 2 Samuel, uh, and which verses in Samuel I didn't, you know, okay, 2 Samuel 11 and 12. That took a lot of our time. Really reviewing that that we all know the story of David and how he uh, uh, and, and Bathsheba and so forth. Uh, that's contained in Second Samuel 11 and 12. And then in Psalm, and we're just going to read a few, few of these just so we don't take much time here. Psalm chapter 32, we'll look at the first six verses. And the point we're looking at here is this idea of acknowledgement. And that's so some most most of the verses we're gonna look at here this morning will uh carry that same tune, so to speak. So what did I say? Psalm chapter thirty two and uh, 
I'm getting there. First six verses. Let's read this. Blessed is, this is a David. And this was probably written during that period of time that he was, uh, regretting what had happened there with Bathsheba and so forth. And this, because he, he definitely was the only man and he was starved for the word and the Lord was not responding. Those are my words, but uh, just kind of in quick, uh, Analysis here. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and whose spirit there is no guile. In whose spirit there is no guile. When I kept silence, so he's talking about the period of time that he had done wrong, and he must have felt guilty about it and so forth. He went through a period of silence. He says, my bones waxed old. Through my roaring all the day long, there is great anguish. I believe this word here, and uh, the word roaring here has to do with a uh, great anguish. Uh, For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the draught of summer, Selah. Now, here's a change. I acknowledged my sin. It's not not the fact that he knew he had sinned. In fact, up until this, during this period of time, he knew it and he was suffering as a result of it and it was made clear to him that he had a problem. And so it says, he says, I acknowledged my sin unto thee and my iniquity have I not hid. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. So it took an it took an action on his part, and so let's don't uh, misunderstand and say that he his sins were being forgiven or anybody's sins were being forgiven over and over and over, and it's a must. This is different than the fact that by grace we have been saved, and that there's the the issue of sin is taken care of. But it doesn't mean we can't suffer from this. In fact, in our own uh, books that apply to us, in Second Timothy chapter 2, which we have read over several times over the past year, it keeps for some reason showing up because there's something identified there that is, is uh, similar to what we're talking about. And in this case... Uh, uh, it, those same words would apply over there. Second Timothy 2, 25 and 26 it goes along with what we're reading here. He says, verse 6, I'm back in 32 of Psalms. For this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. And we won't read the whole chapter. You can do that yourself. But so here was a time that bothered David and the Lord was faithful. One thing I'll say about David was, and I don't know if I wrote this down, in in the book of Samuel, I believe it's Second Samuel seven fifteen. Let's see what this says. This is kind of important because you look at you look at David and you say, well, he should have been put to death. He should have been stoned because of what he did, having been put to death and and fornication. Those under the law, he should have been put to death. So Second Timothy and if I'm speaking wrongly, I'll be more than happy to, to uh, you let me know. 
Second uh, Samuel, what did I say? Seven fifteen. If this is right, he says, uh, "This is before this event, and this is referring to to uh, David." It says, "But my mercy shall not depart away from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before thee." So it's if you read these Psalms concerning David. We, he mentions, as a matter of fact, let's go to Psalm chapter 51. And I don't want to take too time, too long on these. We've got a handful of these to look at. 51, the first five or six verses here, I think speaks of his mercies. Yes. Have mercy upon me, O God. Now let's read the, the title above. A Psalm of David when Nathan the prophet came unto him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Uh, so let's read. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out, blot out my transgressions. And what did we just read? What we just read, or started to read, back in Second Samuel chapter seven, spoke of the fact that this that the, God had something for for David, in spite of what he had done wrong. There was mercy given here. And here's what David sings. Here's his his song. According to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my trans... Here it is. I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. So the Lord allowed something to happen here that was going to be a lesson for centuries. And it was going to be something that would, that during the Acts period, that there were many people, Jewish people, who were knowledgeable of things like this, knowledgeable of what this actually meant, and then there were those who were acknowledgeable, those who acknowledged and got to enjoy what the Lord was doing uh, in, in these particular cases. So uh, that was one of the things we looked at last week. Uh, and this has to do with acknowledgement. In both, both cases we read there about acknowledgement. Uh, real quickly, everybody knows this, Proverbs chapter 3, 5 and 6. But these are the magic words that we're speaking about here. And, uh, whoops. Sorry. Three, five, and six. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not unto thine own understanding in all thy ways. Acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. So all these, both of these verses are what I call action verses. And, uh, and these are things that I think would apply to us. But notice this, it's, uh, the, the, the cost here is the action of acknowledging Him. And He shall direct thy paths. He says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. He said, every bit of it. And lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways, Acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. So here's stuff that we kind of already know, 
but maybe we haven't thought of in that respect. That is to say that we have there's an action to take in in that particular case. Uh, and then uh, we mentioned Luke 24, and um, this was after the large resurrection, and it, there were two people, two of these disciples walking, and the, the Lord came up to them, and they had a conversation, and it says uh, that. Their eyes were holden not to know. Let's read this. Luke 24. This should be a short one here. Luke 24, and uh, starting in verse 16 real quickly. And uh, I said, verse, did, I say, did I say verse 13? 24. Uh, yes. So, real quickly, and behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about threescore furlongs, and they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus with himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were holden that they should not know him. And I believe that's Gnosko there. Or no, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, surprisingly, or you, you might be surprised, as I was initially, uh, is this is the word epigonosco. And uh, the reason I say you might be surprised is because it sounds like they didn't have it. But what it, what the deal was it, is it makes it clear that they themselves had, uh, where's the word verse? That their eyes were holding that they should not know him. And then you read on the, and they continue to walk and the Lord walks this with them and you jump down a few verses. You need to read the whole thing, but, uh, jump down in verse 31, I believe. Uh, I'm missing a good, good part of what we should be hearing here, but it says, and their eyes at this point and their eyes were opened and they knew him. And he vanished out of their sight. So here, this is Epigonosco. After listening to him, what he had to say and so forth, and, and they walked together with him. And then if you read on, you'll see that they meet for uh, in someone's house right after this. And uh, it's speaking about this same subject, though. But, okay, real quickly, that, that's what we, we've already produced. So we're going to go through a series more of these. I did this purposely because and what I'm saying is I, we're going to look at some verses to make sure we understand that there is a potential issue of how we interpret this particular word and what does that mean. And um, and what I'm really looking forward to is to look at Ephesians, Colossians, Philemon, and Philippians in particular and how they deal with this very thing, and then we need to discover, we need to determine if there's if there's something there in our hope and calling that we need to acknowledge. And all this time we didn't realize it. We might be missing out on something. I don't know. So anyway, uh, we're, we're going to go through. And this this is different ways that this word is used. As I said, primarily uh, th- those who have or there are the scholars and so forth have identified uh, the the word gnosko with epigenosko or epigenosis, 
uh, and that they are, um, they, in the, on most accounts, these, they are uh, the same word. What we're going to do is look at a handful of these words, and, and we'll see how it has to do with acknowledgement. But uh, it'll help us understand how uh, the fact that there's quite a few of these verses and if you're gonna, you're really interested in this kind of a subject, you have to spend some time looking at it, laying them all out in front of you, and and, and walking, you know, down the road with, with all these uh, different things that we uh, we have an opportunity to acknowledge. Uh, so, uh, real quickly, in Luke chapter 15, um. I'm going to watch my time here, so we may have to trim some of this back. In Luke chapter 15, and I think you all know the story of the prodigal son, but here is an example similar to what we read with David. Only we're up to date here. Was it 15? And verse, uh, start in verse 11. Uh, we'll read this kind of quickly. Uh, 14, I said 14 or 15. 15. Uh, okay, so this is 15 beginning in for, uh, verse 11. And he said, so this is the Lord. He said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not, not many days after, the younger son gathered gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. His fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat. Uh, excuse me, a little, uh, a little noise here in the background. Sorry about that. So, and he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man, man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? Now, in this particular passage, we will not see the word acknowledgement, but we will see the action that the acknowledgement was. I will rise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, so this is a matter of repentance. Uh, consider this dispensationally. Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. This is one of the most beautiful verses I've ever seen because it was the father who came and ran after him. 
And the son said unto to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And I'll stop right there. Here we see something very similar to what David went through, but for a different reason. And we have a, pet, a, a, a parable on it, and this, these <coughs> pertain to this uh, group of people that lived at this particular time and thereafter during the Acts period. But here we see acknowledgement in action. First um, Corinthians 13.1. I, I think we can speed this up a little bit. So First Corinthians 13. I said verse 1. Is that right? First Corinthians, uh, <clears throat> he says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Just make a lot of noise. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. So during this period of time, and in Corinthians, we're, speak, we're looking at spiritual gifts. Chapters 12, 13, and 14 deal with spiritual gifts. And knowledge is listed here. And let's see what else he has to say about it. And go down to verse 8. Uh, charity never fails. Let's back up a couple of verses. Uh, speaking, let's look at verse 5. Uh, no, verse 4. Charity, love suffers long and is kind. Love envies not. Love vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, does not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinks no evil, rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Love never fails. But, whether they be prophecies, they shall fail. They're going to, it, the word fail might be, uh, misused here. This has to do with ending. These are, these will vanish. These will go away. And I believe right here in this passage, it's kind of hard to understand that because the same word is, trend, is, uh, is looked at in two or three different, in two or three different times in two or three different words. It says, uh, whether there be prophecies, they shall sell. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. Then drop down to verse 12. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, I believe that's gnosko, let me just see if I've got that written down. Where did I say Corinthians? Okay, for now I know Gnosko uh, in part, but then shall I epigenosko check that, make sure I'm reading the right one. And uh yes, epigenosko, then I then even as also I am known, epigenosko. So here we see uh, if you think about that and read and run through those things in your mind, this is what we uh, we can understand on, or helps us to understand how this word is used. 
And so, and you can, sometimes you can take it, take the words and, and yeah, gnosko and epigonosko, epigonosko sounds right, but <clears throat> here he uses it, uh, in the prophecy that's, has, that concerns Christ and, uh, so forth. So, uh, let's move on. Uh, watching my time. Book of Romans. In uh, chapter one, I'm just gonna. This one I'm not gonna deal with, but I'm gonna lay it in your lap for you to chase this rabbit, so to speak. One, uh, Romans chapter one, and let's look at the end of the chapter, uh, verse. Let's oh, let's start in verse. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to start in verse 25. Who changed the truth of God. So uh, let's back up another verse. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanliness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their bodies between themselves. Who changed the truth of God into a lie or the lie and worshiped and served the creature more than more than a creator who is blessed who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did not, did ch- change the natural use into uh, in, into that which is against nature. And likewise, all the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working with the, that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their heir which was meat. Even and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. So here's Epigenosco, and they, apparently this group of people. It says here that they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. So they did have some level of knowledge, but they threw it away. Uh, how does he end this chapter without? Well, I don't have that. We're in the, right. Oh, okay. Verse 32. Who knowing the judgment of God. Here's our word knowing. That they which commit such things are worthy of death. Not only to do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. So some of these verses I'm reading. Uh, you may have to look for yourself to determine. Is this an opportunity to acknowledge? And I believe in that case, No. Uh, but for those who are believers, you're going to see a lot of verses that, where it will mean something. Uh, quickly, did we look at, we looked at 1 Corinthians. What did I do here? Uh, Romans 128-32, then, uh, Romans 10, 1 and 2. And I don't want to bury ourselves in all of these things, but, uh, if you do have that kind of interest to, to look at these individually, then, um, this is what you have in front of you. First couple of verses of chapter 10, Romans, Romans. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. But they did have a knowledge. And <clears throat> they... Did not, they didn't know how to acknowledge. So, um, 
So if I bear them record that they have a zeal for God, but not a calling according to knowledge. They did have knowledge about certain things, but in this case, they did not acknowledge it. There's, and you read through this whole book, and there's the issue of the law and, and what that did for each of them. Um, we're, okay, we're doing okay on time. I don't know how many more of these we want to do. Philippians 1 6, real quick. And hopefully next week we're going to, we're going to take all the verses in Paul's last seven epistles. In which case, hang on. My pages are stuck together, sorry. Maybe I haven't been to, maybe I've torn this out of my book here. Here we go. Philemon 1 6. Uh, <clears throat> here's Paul in his letter to Philemon. There's four, I think, my God making mention of thee always in my prayers, hearing of thy love and faith which thou hast, you have toward the Lord Jesus and to, and toward all the saints. That the communication, and that word is joint, this is joint participation, and the joint participation of thy faith may become active, effectual or active, by what? Here's an action required. By the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. So here's a sample of what we're going to look at hopefully next week. And and you can see that this pertains to the church which is his body. And here was a here's what he's told Philemon to do, which required acknowledgement. Uh, let's read a couple more here. Matthew chapter seven, chapter seven. I think we can end with this one. I, I'll, I'll mention maybe a couple more, but uh, what did I say? Matthew seven. I hope I got the right numbers here. beginning with verse 16 uh, 15 beware of false prophets so here's our here's the those of interest that pertain to this here he he warns them of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly they are ravening wolves you shall know them by their fruits. Do men, is there a question? <laughs> Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs or thistles and read on and so forth? He said, you shall know them by their fruits. And this is the word epigonosco. So, uh, let me see. I have four orange trees in my backyard. I have one, uh, Grapevine, we have uh, one grapefruit, we have one lemon, one tangerine, I believe. Uh, and he uses the word epigonosco here, or epi, uh, whatever. And so my question is, the question is, and, it, and this is what we're going to do next week. We're going to substitute the word uh, thoroughly, full, full knowledge. 
our thorough knowledge. That is to say, um, is that what this word, this is how it is normally translated by those who uh, know the script, uh, Greek. <clears throat> and so this word to, is generally meant, uh, means to thoroughly know. And I would have to question whether or not these anybody would have to, would have any problem going to look at, at these fruits. Would it require a thorough knowledge? Whatever. That's usage of this word here in this particular one. So that tells you that yeah, there is a difference between something that requires thorough knowledge or something that is uh, in, in this case. So anyway, I'm going to stop there. Uh, I think there's a lot to have to deal with. A lot of a lot more verses we could be looking at, but we're not going to do it next week. We're going to do it from a different perspective, and we'll do it from the perspective of uh, of what the what the scriptures have to say in Paul's last seven letters. So let's stop there and have a word of prayer, and we will uh, close here. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. We ask that you bring to our mind and our understanding the things that we need, whether we're, we need a knowledge of them or whether we need to acknowledge something. And we, we thank you for uh, your good word and in, in any case in which way that we are able to enjoy that and the things that you have in store for us. And we thank you now in the name of our Lord Christ Jesus. Amen.